Blog Talk Radio. PGN Prophetic Grace Network. This is Secrets Revealed, Understand the Book of Revelation from Start to Finish. I am Nicole, your Book of Revelation research scientist. Today we are talking about the purple and scarlet prophecy. This is vision or documentary, if you will, number eight, that John the Revelator was shown when he was called up to heaven. So what is the book of Revelation? It is the unveiling of Jesus Christ to the entire world. What does that mean? At time one, Jesus came as the Lamb of God. At time two, he is coming as the Lion of the tribe of Judah. He is going to wage a war in righteousness. That war is the Battle of Armageddon. It is the last war that will ever be fought on this planet Earth, and it's the war to end all wars. And so there are key end-time events leading up to the Battle of Armageddon, and at the Battle of Armageddon, Jesus Christ will defeat the Antichrist, the false prophet, and the armies of the world which have been sent by many nations to take over the people of Israel. But in fact, they are the people, those who are in the armies led by the Antichrist, the Antichrist and the false prophet, they are the people who will be overtaken. They are the people who will be destroyed. And once Jesus Christ fights and wins the Battle of Armageddon, he will establish worldwide the government of Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God here on this earth. And in Isaiah, it tells us, and of the increase of his government and his peace, there shall be no end. So peace is coming. Peace is scheduled. We are moving very quickly. We are moving very quickly towards the rebuilding of the third temple on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. Very soon, Israel will get the green light to rebuild its third temple. Today we're going to talk about the purple and scarlet prophecy, one of the key end time events. This is this is the event, uh, the events described in a purple and scarlet prophecy, the uh, the final event, it's the immediate event preceding the Battle of Armageddon. So we're talking about Revelation chapters 17 and 18, as well as chapters uh, chapter 19, verses 1 to 5. That's the purple and scarlet prophecy. Let me share from the one-page basic study notes, which are available at blogtalkradio.com. 
dot com backslash life prophetic. Uh, these are the key topics. These are the key topics discussed in this uh, in this documentary that John the Revelator was shown. Babylon, the Battle of Armageddon, the Antichrist, the finest purple and scarlet linens. Uh, there are other keywords, phrases, and numbers. I encourage you to go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash live prophetic, and you can see the one-page basic study notes. Um, let's get started. I want to share with you the five key, five key uh, activities described in the Purple and Scarlet Prophecy and um, this is one of the longest prophecies in the book of Revelation. And um, just looking at my list here, we're going to begin with, uh, at the beginning, we're going to go verse by verse through the Purple and Scarlet Prophecy. And you'll see that essentially the documentary John the Revelator was shown by an angel in heaven, it has five parts. Now, let's backtrack for a minute. How does this actually, uh, how did this all come to be? Uh, and what exactly are we talking about? So in the beginning of the book of Revelation, which has six parts, we have a preface which explains how the book of Revelation uh, has come into existence. So we're told that the information generates with God the Father, who gives it to Jesus Christ, who assigns an angel to show John the Revelator things to come, and that John the Revelator then is tasked with sharing, in other words, writing down, putting a pen to paper, if you will, so that truth seekers at that time and in the future would be aware of those things to come. So that's the, the chain of events overall. Then, in the second half of chapter 1 of the book of Revelation, John the Revelator tells us about his first supernatural experience with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ uh, appears to John the Revelator while he's on the island of Patmos. He's been exiled there because he's been testifying, um, giving his testimony for Jesus Christ. And so that's his experience. Jesus gives him uh, two action items. Number one, Jesus tells him, Write down the things which are, and then number two, write down the things which are to come. Then John the Revelator hears the things that are. In other words, what was happening at that time, what are the things now, with now being at that time, John the Revelator was here in a mortal body on this present earth. He heard everything Jesus said about the seven churches, that was what was happening at that time. That's what Jesus Christ was concerned about. And John the Revelator wrote down verbatim what Jesus said. And we see that in chapters 2 and 3, seven letters to seven churches, the seven churches that existed at that time. Then John the Revelator had a continued experience, but instead of Jesus talking to John the Revelator here on this present earth, visiting him here on this present earth, John goes to heaven. 
he is called up to heaven by Jesus Christ. And in Revelation chapter 4, he reports on the call that he received. He sees an open door in heaven. He's told to come up there, and he goes up there. He's transported supernaturally to heaven, and he tells us what he sees when he arrives. Kind of like um, imagine if you were transported to Let's just say you were transported to London, and you had never been to London, and you write down everything you saw when you arrived so that the rest of us who have never been to London, we would have a good idea of what it looks like, what it sounded like, and everything you experienced. So we see that in Revelation chapter 4. There are no metaphors in Revelation chapter 4. It's 100%. John giving his report on heaven. Lots of people have written books about uh, their experiences in heaven or hell. I believe some of those books reflect realities. Some of them reflect fantasies. But for sure, every word in the Bible is 100% true. It's the infallible word of God. If you want to know what does heaven look like, John didn't go everywhere in heaven, but He tells us what it looks like where he was. You can see that in Revelation chapter 4. Now, what about the second action item? The second action item that Jesus Christ gave to John the Revelator uh, in the formal introduction to the book in the end of chapter 1. So Jesus told him, again, number one, write down the things which are. We've already heard about that, Revelation chapters 2 and 3. But the second part, Jesus said, this is your second action item, Write down the things which are to come. So John was supernaturally transported to heaven so that he could see the things to come. So when he got to heaven, this angel, this angel that was tasked by Jesus Christ in the very beginning of Revelation, in its preface, verses 1 to 8 of chapter 1, we're told the chain. So the the revelation of Jesus Christ went from God the Father to Jesus Christ, And then Jesus Christ tasked an angel to share the revelation with John the Revelator. Okay, so now we're at the part, the unveiling of Jesus Christ. This is where the angel has some work to do. What angel? The angel tasked by Jesus Christ to show John the Revelator the things to come. So the bulk of the book of Revelation is about John's experience as he stood in heaven he was in some location in heaven where he was he experienced an immersive uh an, an immersive experience where he was watching documentaries i've shared many times i'm really looking forward to seeing um the new installment of uh the series uh, the planet of the apes kingdom that'll be movie number 1 in what we're told is a new trilogy uh this is a movie. It's um, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is a fictitious account, um, things that are made up for the purposes of entertainment. In contrast to fictitious movies, documentaries are movies that reflect realities. So John the Revelator was shown visions, but today we refer to visions when we are watching 
something that has moving pictures with sound, something that we didn't create but that somebody else created, and moving pictures with sound, we don't refer to it as a vision. We say, oh, this is a movie, a movie by Steven Spielberg or um, a movie by um, some other director, right? Um, it's a movie starring Brad Pitt or starring Denzel Washington, starring Sandra Bullock. In the book of Revelation, John the Revelator, he didn't record the documentaries he saw with a video camera or a tablet or a cell phone. He recorded everything he saw and heard with pen and paper. So beginning with Revelation chapter 5, verse 1, this is the documentary that John the Revelator actually saw in heaven. So he was shown back-to-back-to-back-to-back documentaries, kind of like watching a, a movie marathon. You ever watch cable or maybe Hulu, Netflix, YouTube, TV, and you just watch back-to-back movies by your favorite actor. Maybe it's a Julia Robert movie-thon or a Sandra Bullock movie-thon or Denzel Washington movie-thon. And you just watch back to back to back to back all the movies they're in. So in the book of Revelation, what we have is a documentary, a thon, if you will, of uh, Jesus Christ. It's 12 documentaries back to back to back to back. Documentary number one, number two, number three, all the way to documentary number 12. And the lead, the lead the protagonist, the star of these documentaries is Jesus Christ. And so in each documentary, we're seeing a different aspect of the life of Jesus Christ and events surrounding his life with the key event, the pinnacle event being the, his return, his second coming, because at his second coming is when he's unveiled to the entire world. So today there are many religions that acknowledge that Jesus Christ was. But Christianity is the only religion that acknowledges that he is. He is the God of the living, not the God of the dead. And he is returning. He is returning so he can gather up the harvest. What's that? God's forever family. He's returning to transition those who are truly God's children from mortality to immortality. That's why he's returning. He's returning to reap a harvest, to transition every last one of God's children from mortality to immortality. We're transitioning to eternal life three in one, immortal body, that houses our spirit, which has been sealed by God when we get saved, and our soul, our mind, will, and emotions. Um, so let's go to how this fits into what we're talking about today. These documentaries, as John the Revelator saw them, uh, he saw 12 of them back to back to back, and he wrote down everything he saw and heard. Now, keep in mind, this is really important, in the Bible, he keeps saying, I saw this, then I saw that, and I was showed this, and I was showed that. 
Why is he saying that? Because he didn't have a dream. So he didn't go to sleep and have a dream. He wasn't standing up and all of a sudden he had a, a vision that he caused himself to have. An angel showed him moving pictures with sound. An angel of the Lord showed him these documentaries. Okay. So I don't know how, you know, I don't know if he had like an IMAX experience or if it was an immersive experience. You know, the Bible doesn't tell us that, but we are told that he was shown these documentaries and he tells us uh, in detail what he saw. First he tells us about the Seven Seals documentary he was shown. Then he was shown a Seven Trumpets documentary. Then he was shown a 1,260 Days documentary. Then he was shown the 666 Antichrist documentary. Then he was shown the 144,000 First Fruits documentary. Then he was shown the Earth Reap documentary. By the way, that includes the First Resurrection. Then he was shown the Seven Plagues documentary. Then he was shown the purple and scarlet documentary. Now, this is something that's very important to understand when looking at these documentaries in the book of Revelation. When you consider your life, if someone was to make 12 documentaries about your life, it might not go merely in chronological order. So what do I mean by that? they might choose to pick up on certain themes in your life or key events. And even though the documentary is mostly about that key event, other parts of your life might be referenced or, or noted. So in that way, there could be 12 unique documentaries about your life where some of the events in your life appear in multiple documentaries although none of the documentaries covers in large measure what was already covered in another documentary. I say that because the book of Revelation is like that. Let me give you an example. In the Earth Reap documentary, Revelation chapter, uh, Revelation chapter 14, verses 6 to the end, that's the Earth Reap documentary begins with verse 6 goes to the end of chapter 14 that documentary is about the first resurrection it's the 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 key documentary that communicates and, and shares a report of the actual first resurrection the marriage of the lamb after the marriage of the lamb after the end of the the great tribulation but that documentary ends with a brief snapshot of the Battle of Armageddon where the blood is going to flow for 180 miles and will be as high as a horse's bridle. Why? Because that documentary is about Jesus Christ. It shows when he returns, he's in the clouds, he gathers up the harvest. In other words, uh Everyone here on this earth transitions from mortality to immortality if the person's name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Uh, but it ends with talking about the Battle of Armageddon, which happens later. But again, it's a documentary. So God included in it uh, several key events, although the, the main focus of that documentary is the reality 
of what it means to gather up the wheat in the tares, how the wheat will be gathered up for uh, the harvest and how the tares ultimately are going to be burned. After the great white throne judgment, they're going into lake of fire. So that's an example. The actual documentary that focuses on the Battle of Armageddon is Revelation chapter 19, verses 6 to 21. That's the Marriage Supper documentary. So I just give that as an example. Let me give one more example to com- communicate what I mean. And the reason, the reason that we need to know this is because if you look at the book of Revelation and you don't know where you are, like what part you're in, for example, chapter 4 is John's report on heaven, you might start thinking that those are, there are metaphors there and there are no metaphors there. You need to know that the, chapter 4 is John's report on heaven. It's a literal report. Like a journalist goes somewhere and says, oh, this is what I saw. Or a police officer is writing down everything he or she saw when arriving at the scene. That's what that is. In contrast to Revelation chapters 5 through 22, verse 5 of 22, which is all the documentaries. Um, Let me give you one more example of how there are 12 episodes, 12 documentaries, all about Jesus Christ, where each documentary has a primary focus but can also reference realities in the same time period in another documentary. If we look at documentaries number three and four, they cover the same period of time. Documentaries three and four, just giving a quick example, Documentary 3, Chapter 12 of the Book of Revelation, the 1,260 Days Prophecy, this is about the reality of Israel and Israel giving, uh, let me say in a nutshell, this documentary is about the 1,260-day war on Jews in Israel during the Great Tribulation. So it's the documentary whose focus is to share the reality that Israel is going to experience 1,260 days of persecution and what happens to Israel during those 1,260 days. For example, one of the things that's going to happen is that Satan's going to attempt to use water to literally submerge flood and destroy Israel, but it's not going to work. The the ground is going to open up and receive all that water. So what uh, Satan thinks is going to actually just remove, just take out that city, take out that uh, nation, I should say, not that city, take out that country from the literal earth, just destroy it with water. It's not going to work. Satan feels humiliated. And then it's at exactly that point that, the war, that's one of the events that happens during the 1,260 days. And at that point, that's when the war on Jews, the third Holocaust, is extended to include Christians. Now, Revelation chapter 13, the 666 Antichrist prophecy is about the exact same period of time, 1,260 days, that's three and a half years, but it focuses on what happens to Christians during what happens to Christians 
during the 1,260 days. So see, these these documentaries are talking about the same period of time, but the focus is different. The focus is different. Okay, so a little bit about the book of Revelation, um, some key secrets that help us to understand what we are reading or what we are hearing, what we are talking about. Let us go now to talking about the purple and scarlet prophecy. So where are we in chronological time? We are after the rebuilding of the third temple, after the uh, Antichrist has stood in the temple and declared that he is God, we are after the first resurrection, After the first resurrection, I believe that the first few, verse, first few verses of Revelation chapter 15 reveal that once the royal family, in other words, once everyone who's a member of the royal race, all whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, once we rise up to meet Jesus Christ in the clouds in our immortal body, I believe that Revelation 15 communicates that we will be in heaven for some period of time. Uh, and those who participated, uh, who were here on the earth during the Great Tribulation, are actually going to be given a special instrument by God and sing a specific song of praise before the throne. Then, later, we will return with Jesus Christ. It says over and over again um, that Jesus Christ is returning to fight the battle of Armageddon, and he's bringing with him all his holy ones. There are two key events with his return. So where are we again in time? We're after the rebuilding of the third temple, after the Antichrist has stood in it and declared that he is God. We're after the end of the Great Tribulation, which is the wrath of Satan, and the first resurrection. Believers, we are in heaven. Then the seven final plagues, the wrath of God, is poured out unto who? Satan's children. So the wrath of Satan is for who? God's children. But the wrath of God is for who? Satan's children. So Satan, uh, Satan has started with his wrath, but it's going to end with God's wrath Seven plagues are poured out onto the people of this earth. That's in the seven plagues prophecy, Revelation chapters 15 and 16. When the seventh and final plague is poured out, some key things happen. One thing that's mentioned is that there's a great earthquake, larger than any earthquake that ever was or ever will be. A second thing that is mentioned is that God remembers Babylon. God remembers Babylon, and she drinks from the cup of God's wrath. So that's documentary number seven, the seven plagues documentary now. We finally arrived at where we are in chronological time with this purple and scarlet prophecy. We are at the period of time when the seventh and final plague has been poured out the seventh and final plague has been poured out on this earth and i believe revelation chapter 15 uh 
shows that uh, believers at that time will be in heaven, but in our glorified, perfected bodies, just like the glorified, perfected body that Jesus Christ is in right now. And here are the five key things that we're going to hear uh, that happen at this time. So the seventh and final plague has been poured out. The Purple and Scarlet documentary is about what happens to Babylon when the seventh and final plague is poured out. So see, it's overlapping it's overlapping with the seven plagues prophecy or the seven plagues documentary. We can use that language interchangeably. John watched a documentary when he wrote it down. Now we refer to it as a prophecy. So in the seven plagues documentary, at the end, the destruction of Babylon is mentioned. In the Purple and Scarlet Prophecy, its focus is the destruction of Babylon. So now we get a detailed documentary about how is Babylon destroyed. So there are five parts. We can, we can think about this documentary as having five parts. We're going to go verse by verse. So it begins with telling us about the prostitute, the prostitute. In other words, um, it gives us a description of the prostitute and who she is connected to. And then we get an explanation of what Babylon is. Third, we get information about the Antichrist and the role that the Antichrist will play in the destruction of Babylon. Fourth, we get a report on the actual destruction of Babylon. And finally, we get a report on rejoicing in heaven about Babylon's destruction. So these are the five parts of the Purple and Scarlet Prophecy. Let us go there now, beginning with Revelation chapter 17, verse 1. We're going to hear first about, again, the prostitute, then about Babylon, then about uh, Antichrist and the Antichrist and his role in the destruction of Babylon. Then we'll hear the actual destruction of Babylon in Revelation chapter 18. And then in at the end of Revelation 18 and the first five verses of Revelation 19, we'll hear rejoicing in heaven about the destruction of Babylon. Okay, here it is, the purple and scarlet prophecy, part one, the prostitute. John the Revelator says, one of the seven angels who had poured out the seven bowls came over and spoke to me. Come with me, he said, and I will show you the judgment that is going to come on the great prostitute who rules over many waters. The kings of the world have committed adultery with her, and the people who belong to this world have been made drunk by the wine of her immorality. So the angel took me in the spirit into the wilderness. There I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that had seven heads and ten horns. And blasphemies against God were written all over it. The woman wore purple and scarlet clothing and beautiful jewelry made of gold and precious gems and pearls. In her hand, she held a gold goblet full of obscenities and the impurities of her immorality. So let's pause there. So this is telling us 
about the prostitute. And it's explaining in detail that this woman is a prostitute. The kings of the world have committed adultery with her. And she holds obscenities and impurities that reflect her immorality. Now we're going to hear about Babylon. Verse 5, continuing, says, A mysterious name was written on her head, Babylon the Great, mother of all prostitutes and obscenities in the world. I could see that she was drunk, drunk with the blood of God's holy people who were witnesses for Jesus. I stared at her in complete amazement. Why are you so amazed, the angel asked. I will tell you the mystery of this woman and of the beast with seven heads and ten horns on which she sits. The beast you saw was once alive but isn't now, and yet he will soon come up out of the bottomless pit and go to eternal destruction. So this is telling us that this woman um, who has Babylon the Great, mother of all prostitutes written on her forehead, that this woman sits on Satan. So Satan is the beast that comes up out of the bottomless pit. We know that from Revelation 20, verses 1 and 2. Um, I'm sorry, Revelation 20, verses 1 and 2, Satan goes into the bottomless pit, and then at the end of the millennial reign prophecy, which is Revelation 20, verses 1 to 10, Satan comes up out of the bottomless pit. And when he comes out of the bottomless pit, he has a, a, a last hurrah, he tries to take over Jerusalem again, and he fails again, and he's thrown into the lake of fire. That's the eternal destruction mentioned here. Okay, so what does it mean for this documentary? This is telling us that this woman, the great prostitute, this woman sits on top of Satan. So Satan is the foundation of this woman, and the woman has on her head Babylon the Great. Let's continue, continuing in verse 7. And the people who belong to this world, whose names were not written in the book of life before the world was made, will be amazed at the reappearance of this beast who had died. So this is kind of interesting commentary. So at this point in time, uh, Satan's not not going to um not going satan's reappearance has not happened yet it's not going to happen for more than a thousand years but it's interesting commentary about satan and the trajectory of satan's life right okay let's continue in verse nine this calls for a mind with understanding the seven heads of the beast represent the seven hills where the woman rules they also represent seven kings so it says the seven heads of the beast represent the seven hills where the woman rules. This is very important. Who is the woman? We're going to hear in a few verses that the woman is a city and that the city is Babylon and that um, the seven heads of the beast, so this is the beast with uh, ten horns, that's the ten-nation alliance mentioned in the 666 Antichrist prophecy, the seven heads of the seven beasts represent the seven hills where the woman rules. Uh, the city of seven hills is Rome. So for uh, thousands of years, literally, Rome has been 
referred to as the City of Seven Hills. And in fact, in 2024, Rome is referred to as the City of Seven Hills. We're going to hear uh, more information that affirms that this is uh, this is telling us that the woman rules from a headquarters, which is Rome. Verse 9 says, This calls for a mind with understanding. The seven heads of the seven beasts represent the seven hills where the woman rules. They also represent seven kings. Five kings have already fallen. The sixth now reigns, and the seventh is yet to come, but his reign will be brief. The scarlet beast, so let's pause there for a second. So now we've ended hearing about Babylon. Uh, it's going to come up again, but the, the greatest description of Babylon is just communicating that this woman who is a prostitute, so what does that mean? This is a religion where the religion requires people to give themselves, to share their, uh, to share intimacy with a false god or gods. So in the Bible, when it talks about committing adultery, it's saying worshiping another god, giving oneself to another god, celebrating another god. So this woman is the one world religion, the harlot church, the false Christianity that's going to accompany the one world government, the new world order during the Great Tribulation. Now we're going to hear about, in part three, the Antichrist and the Antichrist, his connection to Rome. In other words, his connection to the city of Seven Hills where the woman sits, his connection to the headquarters for the Harlot Church, the headquarters for the one world religion during the Great Tribulation. Verse 11 says, the scarlet beast that was but is no longer is the eighth king. This is the Antichrist. So you might say, how, how is this angel saying the scarlet beast that was but is no longer? The Antichrist, the Antichrist um, in Revelation 19 is no longer. So this is Revelation 17. So... These documentaries have all been created from an omniscient God who knows the end from the beginning. So in our time, which is limited to chronological or linear time, the Antichrist um, is yet to come. But in the timing that the angel is connected to, the Antichrist has come, the Antichrist was and is no longer. Okay, so let's continue. The scarlet beast that was but is no longer is the eighth king. He is like the other seven, and he too is headed for destruction. The Antichrist is headed for destruction. He's destroyed at the Battle of Armageddon when he's captured. What does it mean to be destroyed? So in the book of Revelation, destruction is when an individual or entity goes into the lake of fire, that's Gehenna, that's the second death. Okay, verse 12 says, The ten horns of the beast and are ten kings who have not yet risen to power. So what is this talking about? The ten kings 
are the presidents, prime ministers, and leaders of the one world religion during the Great Tribulation. It says, they will appoint to their kingdoms for one brief moment to reign with the beast. So what beast is it talking about here? The scarlet beast. The scarlet beast is the Antichrist. As revealed in an earlier documentary, the Antichrist is going to become the mouthpiece for the one world government, the Ten Nation Alliance, during the Great Tribulation. Verse 13 confirms what's in Revelation chapter 13 in the 666 Antichrist prophecy. It says, they will all agree to give them their power and authority. They will go to war against the Lamb. Now, who's they? The Antichrist and the Ten Nation Alliance. So the Antichrist will lead the New World Order, that's the One World Government, during the three-and-a-half-year Great Tribulation. So remember this One World Government was referred to in Nebuchadnezzar's dream in Daniel. I believe that's Daniel chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar's dream, uh, the feet of iron mingled with clay. Okay, and that's also referenced in Daniel chapter 7 as well as Revelation chapter 13, the Ten Nation Alliance. Okay, let's continue. Together they will go to war against the Lamb. That's referencing the Battle of Armageddon. So the Antichrist is going to war against Jesus Christ. And it says here, but the Lamb will defeat them. When is Jesus Christ going to defeat them? He is going to defeat them uh, when he fights and wins the Battle of Armageddon. So the Antichrist believes that he's going to win the Battle of Armageddon, but he's going to lose it. He's headed straight to destruction. It says, but the Lamb will defeat them because he is Lord of all lords and King of all kings. So, of course, we know that Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God. He's both the Lamb of God and the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And, of course, he is God manifest in the flesh, both the Son of Man and the Son of God. Okay. It says, and his called and chosen and faithful ones will be with him. Now, what's this talking about? Remember I shared that when Jesus comes to fight and win the battle of Armageddon, he's bringing with him all his holy ones, every person whose name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. That's noted here. Elsewhere in the Bible, too. It says right here, and his called and chosen and faithful ones will be with him. Okay, so that's everyone who has died in Christ and everyone who is in Christ uh, at the time of his second coming who participates in the first resurrection, which is the marriage of the Lamb. Let's continue. Verse 15 says more about the Antichrist and his connection to the destruction of Babylon. It says, Then the angel said to me, The waters where the prostitute is ruling... So talking about the one world religion, the waters where the prostitute is ruling represent masses of people of every nation and language. Again, this is a one world religion. The harlot church, the harlot church will be the mother of all false religions. All false religions in this world are going to come into agreement and be uh, connected through uh, edicts packs or other documents that communicate that they are all worshiping the same God, that they agree to come under the leadership of the one world religion. And it says the waters where the prostitute is 
ruling represent masses of people of every nation and language. The scarlet beast and his ten horns all hate the prostitute. Now, this is interesting. The Antichrist and the presidents and prime ministers, the leaders of the ten nations in the one world government, they hate they hate this uh, one world religion and it's uh, the headquarters. The headquarters is Rome. It says they will strip her naked, eat her flesh, and burn her remains with fire. So remember, uh, Babylon is a city. Let's go back to that scripture to communicate that. Oh, we haven't gotten to it yet. It says they will strip her naked, eat her flesh, and burn her remains with fire. For God has put a plan into their minds, a plan that will carry out his purposes. They will agree to give their authority to the scarlet beast, and so the words of God will be fulfilled. Here it is. And this woman you saw in your vision represents the great city that rules over the kings of the world. That really is the uh, spotlight moment, if you will, in Chapter 17. So what's the take-home point? The prostitute is the one-world religion, and the prostitute is a great city. So this city is the headquarters for the prostitute, the one-world religion that will be led by the false prophet. This city is the city of seven hills. This city is Rome. That's the city that's the headquarters for the religion, the one-world religion, led by the false prophet during the Great Tribulation. And here's the secret about the Antichrist and his connection to the destruction of Babylon. God is going to use the Antichrist to take out the headquarters for the harlot church, that's Babylon, during uh, the end times. So uh, after the Great Tribulation, after the Great Tribulation, and when the seventh and final plague is poured out, in that timing, God is going to use the Antichrist to destroy the headquarters for the harlot church with fire. Now, why is he going to destroy it? It says here, for God has put a plan into their minds, a plan that will carry out his purposes. So these are the the ten leaders of the Ten Nation Alliance. It says they will agree to give their authority to the scarlet beast. That's the Antichrist. And we heard in verse 16 They will strip her naked, eat her flesh, and burn her remains with fire. So take home point, the Antichrist is going to use his authority, his power to take out the most powerful and the most wealthy city that exists during the Great Tribulation, which will be Rome, the headquarters for the Harlot Church. Now, it's interesting because the most powerful city at the time of the destruction of the second temple was Rome. And the destruction um, and the most powerful city that will exist during the Great Tribulation will be Rome. Okay, let's go to Revelation 18. We're going to hear about the destruction of Babylon. 
that's part four of this documentary. It says, John the Revelator speaking to you and me, truth seekers. After all this, I saw another angel come down from heaven with great authority. And the earth grew bright with his splendor. He gave a mighty shout. Babylon is fallen. That great city is fallen. She has become a home for demons. She is a hideout for every foul spirit, a hideout for every foul vulture, and every foul and dreadful animal. For all the nations have fallen because of the wine of her passionate immorality. The kings of the world have committed adultery with her because of her desires for extravagant luxury. The merchants of the world have grown rich. Then I heard another voice calling from heaven, Come away from her, my people. Do not take part in her sins, or you will be punished with her. Let's pause here for a second. Come away from her, my people. Do not take part in her sins. What is God saying here? Come away from the one world religion. Come away from the one world religion who has its headquarters in Rome. Come away from the one world religion because the one world uh, religion is a prostitute. The one world religion is a prostitute. The one world religion is a hideout. The one world religion whose headquarters is in Rome, it's a hideout for demons, foul spirits, dreadful animals, and every foul vulture. What do vultures do? Vultures are one of the most vulgar animals. Let's read up what a vulture does. You never like it when someone says, oh, this person is a vulture. Let me look that up. I think. So a a large bird of prey feeding chiefly on carrion and reputed to gather with others in anticipation of the death of a sick or injured animal or person. So the vulture is an animal that gathers uh, gathers around in anticipation of the death of a sick person. So this one world religion is gathering around to devour people. And um, we have an instruction here in Revelation chapter 1. It says to obey the prophecies in the book of Revelation. So you might say, how do I obey the prophecies? In many of these documentaries, a specific instruction is given. In the purple and scarlet prophecy, here is the part of the documentary that has an instruction for the people of God. So the instruction is here in Revelation chapter 18, verse 4. Come away from her, my people. John says, then I heard another voice calling from heaven, come away from her, my people. Do not take part in her sins or you will be punished with her. Now back up to verse 3 here in chapter 18. It says, for all the nations have fallen because of the wine of her passionate immorality. The kings of the world have committed adultery with her because of her desires for extravagant luxury. The merchants of the world have grown rich. Rome is going to be not only the headquarters for the one world religion, it's going to be the most powerful city on this planet Earth 
during the Great Tribulation. So it's going to be a, a place that is very happening. So, of course, we're not going to buy and sell as people of God. We're not going to take the bark of the beast. But not only do we come up, uh, we come up out and away from the uh, mark of the beast, that, that mark that you'll need to buy and sell in that economy, but we're also to come up out of the one world religion, to not take part in the one world religion. Now, you might say, I would never take part in a false religion. For those of us who are here during the Great Tribulation, we're going to have to on purpose, on purpose come up, come away from her. What am I saying? There's going to be extraordinary, tremendous, and great pressure to participate in what's going to appear to be a kumbaya moment. It's going to appear to be a peace moment where people all over the world, people in religions that hate each other today, they're going to say that they all come into agreement. The leaders are going to say they all come into agreement. The only thing you have to do is you have to deny Jesus Christ. You have to take the mark of the beast and worship the Antichrist. But other than that, other than that, we can go all get along and we can all worship the same God. Of course, that's a lie from the pits of hell. Jesus Christ is God manifest in the flesh. And unless you have the Son, you don't have the Father. Jesus Christ is the only mediator between man and God the Father. So, of, of course, we should follow this instruction. Come away from her, my people. So come away from the mark of the beast and the one world economy to come and come away from the one world religion, which is the great prostitute, the mother of all prostitutes. Now, let's hear more about the destruction of Babylon. Verse 4 says, Then I heard another voice calling from heaven. Come away from her, my people. Do not take part in her sins, or you will be punished with her. For her sins are piled as high as heaven, and God remembers her evil deeds. Do to her as she has done to others. Double her penalty for all her evil deeds. So this is God talking about what's going to happen to Rome. What's going to happen to Rome? It says, she brewed a cup of terror for others, so brewed twice as much for her. She glorified herself and lived in luxury, so match it now with torment and sorrow. She boasted in her heart, I am queen on my throne. I am no helpless widow, and I have no reason to mourn. Therefore, these plagues will overtake her in a single day. Okay, now we're about to hear what's going to happen to the headquarters for the One World Religion. What's going to happen to the headquarters for the One World Religion? We already know that the Antichrist is going to take out the Antichrist is going to take out Rome using fire because God's going to put a plan in his heart and mind and in the heart and mind of the kings to do this. Now, here it is. It says, therefore, these plagues will overtake her in a single day. Death and mourning and famine, she will be completely consumed by fire. She will be completely consumed by fire, it says. So uh, this city... Rome, the city of seven hills, is going to be consumed by fire. It says, for the Lord God who judges her is mighty. And the kings of the world who committed adultery with her, 
and enjoyed her great luxury will mourn for her as they see the smoke rising from her charred remains. So everyone who is here on this earth, all the people who failed to participate in the first resurrection, they're going to see Rome being burned up completely. They're going to watch um, as Rome is destroyed, and they're going to see her charred remains. Verse 10 says, they will stand at a distance terrified by her great torment. They will cry out, how terrible, how terrible for you, O Babylon, you great city. In a single moment, God's judgment came on you. So they're going to know that this is God's judgment. Um, we could say more about that, but one of the reasons that they're going to know is that because uh, the first resurrection will, has hap- will have happened, no Christians will be here, and they will have already seen the first six plagues uh, occur, with uh, one of those plagues being cancer, a cancerous sore coming on everyone who has the mark of the beast. Okay, verse 11 of chapter 18 says, The merchants of the world will weep, and mourn for her, for there is no one left to buy their goods. Okay, so first we hear about how Babylon is destroyed, and then the reaction by the political leaders of the world, the kings. Now we're hearing about business people and their reaction. It says, the merchants of the world will weep and mourn for her, for there is no one left to buy their goods. She bought great quantities of gold, silver, jewels, and pearls, fine linen, purple silk, and scarlet cloth, things made of fragrant thion wood, ivory goods, and objects made of expensive wood, and bronze, iron, and marble. She also bought cinnamon, spice, incense, myrrh, frankincense, wine, olive oil, fine flour, wheat, cattle, sheep, horses, wagons, and bodies, that is, human slaves. The fancy things you love so much are gone, they cry. All your luxuries and splendor are gone forever, never to be yours again. The merchants who became wealthy by selling her these things will stand at a distance, terrified by her great torment. They will weep and cry out. So let's pause for a second. So the kings of the world will acknowledge God's judgment came on Rome, and now it's it's done. Now it's saying business people of the world, all the folks who are really rich because they have sold things to individuals, who live in Rome, uh, leaders who live in Rome, it says now that they are going to be afraid because of the torment of Rome. Again, they're going to realize that this is the judgment of God. It says they will weep and cry out, how terrible, how terrible for that great city. She was clothed in finest purple and scarlet linens, decked out with gold and precious stones and pearls. In a single moment, all the wealth of the city is gone. How is it gone in a single moment? Fire. Now, is this nuclear? Is this nuclear fire? Uh, we're not told. It sounds like it might be. It says in a single moment, all the wealth of the city is gone. That sounds like uh, something that was able to consume it in seconds, or maybe a second. That sounds like uh, nuclear power to me, but I don't know what we do know is that it is fire. Everything is going to, uh, Rome is going to be destroyed in a single day. Um, and the the chart remains, we're told here, it's going to happen uh, in a moment, in a moment. So one moment in one day, it's all gone. Then it says, and all the captains of the merchant ships and their passengers and sailors will 
and crews will stand at a distance. They will cry out as they watch the smoke ascend. So first we heard about the reaction of presidents, prime ministers, and leaders, the kings of this world. Then we heard the reaction of the business leaders of this world, all the merchants, the wealthy folks who become wealthy uh, during the Great Tribulation. Now we're hearing about the reaction of workers, so regular folks, regular folks who have failed to participate in the resurrection. Here's their reaction. It says, and all the captains of the merchant ships and their passengers and sailors and crews will stand at a distance. So these are people nearby, regular folks who are working, working, and their work involved uh, connecting to uh, the headquarters for the Harlot Church, Rome. It says, they will cry out as they watch the smoke ascend, and they will say, where is there another city as great as this? And they will weep and throw dust on their heads to show their grief, and they will cry out. How terrible, how terrible for that great city. The ship owners became wealthy by transporting her great wealth on the seas. In a single moment, it's all gone. So they're going to say, just like the business people, wow, in a single moment, it's all gone. Then verse 20 says, rejoice over her fate, O heaven, and people of God and apostles and prophets. So now we're in part five. Part five of the Purple and Scarlet Prophecy, this is uh, rejoicing in heaven about the destruction of Babylon, the destruction of Rome, the headquarters for the one world religion during the Great Tribulation. It says, uh, rejoice over her fate, O heaven, and people of God and apostles and prophets. For at last God has judged her for your sakes. So, where are we as this is happening? So, in heaven are the people of God and the apostles and the and the prophets. So, as this is happening, we are in heaven. We have been there since uh, rising up to meet Jesus Christ in the clouds, watching the seven final plagues being poured out, and awaiting the completion of this. Why? After, after the destruction of Babylon, we return with Jesus Christ, and we watch as Jesus and the armies of heaven fight and win the Battle of Armageddon. But right now, we're right before the Battle of Armageddon. Verse 20 says in chapter 18, Rejoice over her fate, O heaven, and people of God, and apostles and prophets, for at last God has judged her for your sakes. Then a mighty angel picked up a boulder the size of a huge millstone. He threw it into the ocean and shouted, Just like this, the great city Babylon will be thrown down with violence and will never be found again. The sound of harps, singers, flutes, and trumpets will never be heard in you again. No craftsmen and no trades will ever be found in you again. The sound of the mill will never be heard in you again. The light of a lamp will never shine in you again. The happy voices of brides and grooms will never be heard in you again. For your merchants were the greatest in the world, and you deceived the nations with your sorceries. In your streets flow the blood of the prophets and of God's holy people, and the blood of people slaughtered all over the world. After this, I heard what sounded like a vast crowd in heaven shouting, Praise the Lord! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. So who is this vast crowd? This is everyone. This is every member of the royal race. Um, it also includes, of course, 
members of the royal race. It includes the people of God, the prophets, the apostles. Uh, it says, uh, after this I heard what sounded like a vast crowd in heaven shouting, Praise the Lord. Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. His judgments are true and just. He has punished the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her immorality. He has avenged the murder of his servants. So who is he avenging? All of the people of God who lose their lives during the Great Tribulation because the Antichrist and the false prophet under the guise of religion they're going to take out Jews and Christians under the guise of the religion, the, the harlot church. They're going to take out Jews and Christians saying that they're supposed to do that because the Antichrist is going to declare that he's God. So uh, the false prophet is going to have people worshiping a statue of the Antichrist, right? So in Revelation chapter 13, we hear how the false prophet commissions a statue of the Antichrist and so the Antichrist and false prophet work together in tandem. The false prophet is the leader of the one world religion whose headquarters is in Rome, whose headquarters is in Rome uh, where the leaders will be clothed in purple and scarlet. But what's going to happen? Rome will be destroyed by fire in a single day. The Antichrist is going to actually take out Rome. He is going to take out Rome. God's going to put that plan in his heart. Sometimes um, evil people work together, and then their evil causes them to turn against each other, right? That's going to happen here. It says, after this I heard what sounded like a vast crowd in heaven shouting, praise the Lord, salvation and glory and power belong to our God. His judgments are true and just. He has punished the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her immorality. He has avenged the murder of his servants. And again, their voices rang out. So these will be our voices. What are we going to be saying? He says, we'll say, praise the Lord. The smoke from that city ascends forever and ever. So Rome is destroyed how long? Forever and ever. How long? Forever and ever. <laughs> then verse 4 says, then the 24 elders and the four living beings fell down and worshipped God who was sitting on the throne. They cried out, Amen, praise the Lord. And from the throne came a voice that said, Praise our God, all his servants, all who fear him, from the least to the greatest. So that's the end of the purple and scarlet prophecy. We heard about the nature of Babylon, the reality that uh, Babylon is a prostitute it's the headquarters for the one world religion the harlot church a false christianity and we heard about the reality that babylon has its headquarters in a city that city is the city of seven hills we heard that the antichrist is connected to babylon because god is going to use the antichrist to destroy the headquarters for the harlot church and then we heard the actual destruction of Rome, we heard about its destruction, how it's going to be destroyed in a single moment in one day. Um, on one day in a single moment, Rome will be destroyed by fire. And finally, we heard uh, after the reaction of the leading politicians, I should say, the uh, 
the kings of the world, so the presidents and the prime ministers, we hear their reaction to Rome being destroyed. Then we hear the reaction of the wealthy business folks who have done business with Rome, their reaction. Then we hear the reaction of uh, people on the ships that are nearby, their reaction to the destruction of Rome, so people who work on those ships like the crews um, and the sailors. And then finally in part five of this documentary, we hear about rejoicing in heaven where us as the people of God, we are rejoicing, praising God for taking out, finally taking out the headquarters for the one world religion. And after this documentary, which is documentary number eight, we have documentary number nine, which is where we return. So we leave heaven with Jesus Christ. Um, Jesus Christ is going to, after this, so after the destruction of Babylon, Jesus Christ leaves heaven with the armies of heaven and his faithful and chosen ones, and he comes to fight and win the Battle of Armageddon. We're going to revisit this purple and scarlet prophecy one more time uh, this month in February, this Thursday, at 7 p.m. Texas time, that's 8 p.m. Eastern time, we're going to revisit this documentary, the Purple and Scarlet documentary, and starting next Sunday at 12 noon Texas time, 1 p.m. Eastern, we're going to talk about what happens next. What happens after the destruction of Rome? Uh, That's the Battle of Armageddon where we return with Jesus Christ uh, and the armies of heaven. Uh, I hope that this documentary has been of interest to you. I hope that it's been exciting for you. I invite you to be with me and with us as we continue to unlock secrets of the book of Revelation. So far, uh, last year and the year before, we've gone through all 12 documentaries, looking at and focusing on one documentary of the 12 documentaries each month in the book of Revelation. It uh, it appears that we're going to do that this year. In January, we talked about the seven uh, final plagues prophecy, the seven final plagues, seven plagues documentary. Uh, this month in February, we're talking about the purple and scarlet prophecy. Next month, we're talking about the marriage supper prophecy. In April, we'll be talking about the millennial reign prophecy. And in M- May, we'll be talking about the great white throne judgment, which is described in the dead judge prophecy. And then finally in June, we'll be talking about the new earth prophecy, the reality of what happens after the end of time. So, so excited about what God is doing with PGM, Prophetic Grace Network, what God is doing with Randy Chandler and all the uh, hosts for PGN, Terrence and Tanisha, uh, Jeannie and uh, Carmen and Deborah, everyone who's... uh, ministering to the people of God, to truth seekers everywhere. You do not have to be a Christian to read the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation is for any truth seeker. Now, I believe I believe that any person, any person who's seriously seeking the truth will ultimately arrive at the truth that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no man comes to the Father, that's God the Father, except through Jesus Christ. However, uh, you find God when you seek him with all your heart and soul. So 
We're told in the Bible any person who's truly seeking God with all his or her heart, uh, all his or her mind and soul will find God. So I believe that if that is you, uh, if that is you, you are going to arrive at, you're going to arrive at knowing that Jesus Christ is God manifest in the flesh. And I want you to know the truth. I want to know the truth. Nothing is more important than the truth. The truth about what? The truth about the reality, the reality of your existence. The reality of your existence is that you were created. You were created because your father wants you as a son or you as a daughter to be a part of his forever family. He's going to live on a new earth where there's no more tears, no more mourning, no more famine, no more death, no more no more sorrow. God the Father is going to live on a new earth again that has no more death, no more tears, no more mourning, no more sorrow, no more grief. You can see that in Revelation chapter 21, the new earth prophecy, Revelation chapter 21, as well as verses 1 to 5 of 22. But only... Only those people, only those men and women who have been adopted by God will be permitted to be a part of his forever family. Now, you know this world is under a curse. You know this world is under a curse because folks get gray hair. Folks experience death due to, they say, old age Death doesn't happen because of old age. Death happens because of the curse. But Jesus Christ came to transition you and transition me from death to life. So you might say, how can I transition from death to life? You can put on an immortal body. You can put on an immortal body. You can put on an incorruptible body that's 100% free of DNA errors. In other words, a body that will never, ever die. How do you do that? You go to mediation. Why do you need mediation? Because every sin, every sin requires payment. And the only payment sufficient for sin debt is death. Now, since you and I were born in the image of Adam instead of the image of God, we were born with the propensity to sin. We couldn't help but to sin. We inherited that from our forefather and foremother. So what's the solution? Jesus Christ is the solution. He says, okay, Adam and Eve messed up. You can't get out of it because you were born in the image of Adam God the Father said, I'm going to come, and I'm going to be the second Adam. That's in the book of Romans. So Jesus Christ came as the second Adam. Why? So that we could be restored to sonship and daughtership. In other words, so that we can be restored to immortality. Adam and Eve were immortal until they sinned. They were immortal until they sinned. Now Jesus Christ came as the second Adam. Why? So we could be restored to immortality. Now, maybe you're not interested in religion, but you are interested in life. You are interested in life. I'm not 
frankly interested in religion either. I'm interested in the truth, not about a bunch of uh, platitudes or rituals, but about truth. I'm interested in truth. The truth is that God has plans for you, plans to give you a hope and a future. What kind of future? Immortality, living on a new earth in an immortal, incorruptible body. Now, you can agree or disagree with God's plans for your life. You can cooperate or not cooperate with God. You might say, well, I don't understand that. You can cooperate with God if you choose to go to mediation. In other words, you say, wait a minute, I have sinned. I want to repent. I want to repent of my sin. I want to get in right standing with God. I'm going to make Jesus Christ Lord of my life. That's going to mediation. So in other words, you you cannot do enough good deeds. You can't give away enough money. You can't volunteer enough hours to cancel out your sin debt. You can only get that sin debt paid for by Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ pays for it when you say, you know what, I am going to repent of my sins. I'm sorry about these sins I committed. I hate, I hate that I committed these sins. I'm a sinner. I hate that. I'm turning my back on that. I don't want to sin anymore. You're not saying you're not going to sin anymore, but you're saying you don't want to sin anymore, that you abhor this sin nature that you've been born with, and you make Jesus Christ Lord of your life. And when you do that, when you do that, that's going to mediation. In other words, you're saying, Jesus, I know I can't pay for my sin debt, but when you died on the cross, you actually had never sinned. So your precious blood, you you died when you shouldn't have, so you actually, your death can substitute for the death that I actually should have. So all of us, because we have sinned, we deserve to die. But Jesus didn't deserve to die. When we make him Lord of our life, he slides over into our account, the death that he had on the cross. And so that, makes, that brings our account balance to zero. That brings our account balance to zero. And when our account balance is zero, all of our sins are blotted out in our books in heaven and we get in right standing with God. As proof, as proof that we are in right standing with God, we continue to follow Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit comes to dwell on the inside of us, marking us, marking us for eternal life. God comes to live on the inside of you, the Holy Spirit, when you go to mediation. That's the proof that you're marked for eternal life. So if you die before Jesus comes, as a disembodied spirit, you ascend and you go straight to heaven. And then, of course, when Jesus Christ returns, you come straight back and you put on your new body. And from that point forward, you'll always be three in one, body, spirit, and soul. If you're here at the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ and you've never died, then we're going to transition straight from mortality to immortality, we're told, in the blink of an eye in First Thessalonians chapter 4. So that's the truth, friend and truth seeker. That is the truth. Immortality is God's plan for your life. You have the ability to um, 
You have the ability to uh, cooperate or not cooperate with God's plans for your life. I, I hope that you will consider cooperating. Now, you can go to Acts chapter 2, verse 38. You can type this into your cell phone. Acts chapter 2, verse 38, and it tells you how to go to mediation. And if you look at Timothy, you'll see the scripture that explains that Jesus Christ is the only mediator. So I'm excited about the first resurrection. I am excited about the upcoming transition from mortality to immortality. Am I going to see you in the resurrection? I hope that I will, friend and truth seeker. Nothing's more important than participating in the first resurrection. I heard, I heard one preacher say it like this. If, you, if your feet do not rise up at the second coming of Jesus Christ, your life has been an utter failure. And you are an utter failure if your feet do not rise up at the second coming of Jesus Christ. I agree with that. I agree with that. What does it matter if you become the leader of the entire world if you die in your sins and are only resurrected for the purpose of participating in the great white throne judgment, at which time you're sentenced to eternal damnation, that's life in Gehenna, the lake of fire. That is a horrible trajectory. Now, what's a wonderful trajectory? A wonderful trajectory is going to mediation. In other words, becoming born again. In other words, making Jesus Christ Lord uh, of your life, I believe that involves getting baptized in the name of Jesus Christ because in one place in the scriptures it says we're baptized for the remission of our sins. But if you look at Acts chapter 2, verse 38, all those details are there. But I believe a wonderful trajectory is to get in right standing with God. That means that you... You do everything that's necessary to ensure that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, that your sin debt is blotted out of the books in heaven, that you are scheduled to participate in the first resurrection. That's the most important thing because we are headed to a new earth, and those who are team Satan they are headed to Gehenna, the lake of fire. So either you're going uh, to the lake of fire or you're going to the new earth. Those are the only two final destinations. Final destination, new earth, or final destination, Gehenna. You get to decide. That's your privilege and your responsibility to decide uh, are you Team Satan, or are you team Jesus? You might say, I'm team agnostic. No, no, no. You're either team Jesus or team Satan. If there, if you're any other team other than team Jesus, you're team Satan. Why is that? Because team Satan is the team that includes the one world religion and all other religions that deny Jesus Christ as the Son of God. So those are the only two teams. Do not be deceived. Just because you're on a team that doesn't call itself Team Satan 
doesn't mean that it's not team Satan. It's like somebody works for a company, and they say, oh, I work for this company, company ABC, and it turns out that company ABC is owned by company XYZ. So all these other religions are owned by Satan. So they are actually team Satan, even though they might have another title, you know. So I encourage you to get into the book of Revelation. The secrets about immortality and the new earth are in the book of Revelation. We're going to be talking about these secrets coming up. We're going to be talking about these secrets coming up. So thank you so much for being with me and with us. I pray that uh, according to Jeremiah 33.3, I pray and urge you, if you haven't done so already, today, call out to God. He promises to show you great and mighty secrets that you do not know. Until next time, friend, God bless you.